Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Proud to Work in Cannabis podcast. We are here live from MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. Very excited to have Frank Perullo, who is the co-founder of Ascend Wellness. I'm sure everybody here has heard of Ascend, but we're going to talk a lot about it today. Frank and I have known each other for, feels like a long time in the industry, but this is the first time in a while that we've actually got to sit down, so I've been really excited for this all day. Thank you for, for being here today, Frank. Really appreciate it. This is uh, really wonderful to be able to be here and spend some time with you and uh, all the folks in the industry. So, Frank, how many times have you been to MJ BizCon? I think this is my seventh. So the first time that you went, was it still at the Rio or was it already in the, um, was it already in the uh, convention center? It was, it was at the Rio, mm-hmm. and a lot of the parties were in houses rented outside of the Strip. Um, it was a different conference. It was a very different conference back yeah. then. It's funny because a lot of the people we've had on today were like reminiscing about back then to now, and mm-hmm. it really hasn't been that long, but it feels like a really long period of time. Yes. I want to talk about all the ways the industry's changed and how your business has grown, but before we do that, um, you know, I, I, I think that cannabis founders, myself included, you know, have a couple loose screws, because like, who, who would sign up for this? It's a little crazy. So I like to dig into what you were doing before cannabis that led you on this path. So could you walk us through your life pre-cannabis, you know, sure. in, in, in a nutshell? Um, so that goes back to when I was 14, because I started, uh, you know, consuming cannabis when I was 14. Um, but professionally, uh, in 2012, Massachusetts passed the um, medical law there, and no one wanted to uh, take on cannabis as, um, you know, an ancillary industry in Massachusetts where I was uh, a political consultant and lobbyist. And I thought the opportunity was ripe to, to sort of uh, step into a place where those white shoe lobbyists, the more formal folks who wear the suit and ties every day, uh, would not wade. So we started a, a cannabis practice and started taking the lessons we had learned from all land use matters and advocacy up at the state house and in city halls, and um, you know, put those uh, actions into work for the cannabis industry, and built a really good practice around getting businesses off the ground in Massachusetts. And then, at some point, you thought to yourself, "I'm going to do this." Mm. So, fast forward to 2018, as adult use was uh, coming to Massachusetts, we had passed it a few years earlier, and Massachusetts, like. Um, most of the large legislative items or ballot questions, it takes a while to implement. We're very deliberate. So it took a few years, and as it approached, um, I was approached by uh, you know, my now business partner, Abner Curtin, who was investing in the space, and I was consulting to the space, and he thought that combined we would uh, be able to do a better job than you know, his investments and, and my clients. Um, so we formed Ascend in April of 2018. So you formed Ascend, then you, you went for a license, which you had some experience with. So that was an adva- a competitive advantage that you had out of the gate. What was the process of winning the license and actually getting operational like? Yeah, so we started in Massachusetts, and the, the, the company was going to be a Massachusetts vertical, and that was it. And I remember with, working with you back in those days and helping find yeah. some of those early retail that's right. Yeah. We, we were uh, going for our first retail license that we um, were pursuing was in, is in downtown Boston. And we had no cannabis experience. And I remember calling you um, <laughs> and saying, we need someone with um, real great retail and cannabis retail experience. Um, because, you know, to pursue a license in downtown Boston, 
Um, there were none issued at that point. So we were going to be, the, or trying to be, the first uh, retail store uh, permitted in Boston to serve Adelia's customers. And I remember when we did that, we said, okay, so, so here's what we'll do with the candidates. It'll be a conditional job offer, and then you could put them on the license, and then if you yes. win, That's right. then you get to go on it. I remember the candidates were so you know, hoping that you got the license. They were constantly calling Kelsey Applebaum, who was the recruiter on the, on, the, on, the, on the team that was working with you guys. The candidates were so excited and hoping that you were getting the license. They're like, do we know if they got the license? Do we know if we actually got the job? Um, and you did. And did. so then some, some folks moved out. We did, yeah. And we, we you know, that store took a, a, a while to get open and operating. And in between, we um, acquired assets in Illinois and Michigan. Um, and you know, and, and so on. We're in, and, you know, now we're in seven states, uh, vertical in six. Uh, but those early days, um, it was you know, hard to find. It was hard to do everything, right? It was hard to find talent. It was hard to get construction going. Everything was a challenge. Um, but what we were trying to do was, you know, it took other MSOs one, two years. Can we do it in six months? Um, so because we, you know, we started in 2018, and the GTIs and the Curaleafs were the companies that we were looking. For looking up to, saying, can we do that? Can we do it better? Can we do it quicker? And so when you, th when you think about building a team in those early days and finding people that had the mindset of, can we do it better? Can we do it faster? Mm -hmm. how, how do we outwork people, right? I mean, I think a, we've had, had so many great people on this podcast, and a common thread is outworking everybody else, right? Um, and you, you seem to have been an underdog who ultimately outperformed a ton of people. How did you scale that talent that you have to other people? Because I think a lot of founders struggle with this. It's like, I can outwork everybody, but how do I get my staff to outwork everyone? And I think that's something that um, you and Abner and the team at Ascend and you know board members like Emily Paxia, like you guys, just yeah. everyone around you works so hard and it's like a contagion. I want to know, like, how do I get my employees to work as hard as Ascend employees? Yeah, I, I think you're looking for... Uh, traits, right? So, w cannabis knowledge back even back in 2018, and, and certainly well before this industry is a lot older than that. Um, <clears throat> who has experience? Who doesn't? Do you look for someone from CPG? We went through all of those those various machinations, but what we ended up coming to was: Are you intellectually curious? Do you have a, a high motor? Can you withstand uh, lots of pivots and changes and not, you know, drive yourself crazy? and constantly look for the truth. Um, and I would say the last thing that I also was interested in is are you interested in you know, keeping the customer always with you, right? Whether you're growing the cannabis or you're serving a customer at retail, is that customer the most important thing to you? So, and, and taking yourself out of that, uh, the ego out of it. Those are the traits we looked for. And, and you know, it was kind of the best talent within those parameters, cannabis or not. So as the founder, you have watched the business grow. At um, what point did you decide to really move more into a director role and work on the business versus in the business? <clears throat> and, and, and for, you know, when you, when you give advice to other founders, you know, what's the right moment to take a little bit of a step up? I know you recently hired an incredible CEO. Mm -hmm. I, I would just, as a founder myself, I, I sometimes think about, like, what is the right, what is the right, how do you know when the right moment to, you know, move to a director role. It's so, now. It's now for you. It's Make now the for move. me. I'm done. See you guys. <laughs> That's it. Uh, it's a interesting um, inflection point, right? You have a bunch in these in these businesses, and for me, uh, and Abner just to to some degree, I'm sure as well. Over the last two years, we're approaching two to three thousand employees. We're approaching operations in seven states, and we had 
neither of us had, had ever um, run organizations of that size. Um, and at some point, you have to remove the, uh, well, we know more than others uh, <laughs> mantra from, because you know, we built the company, we uh, made most decisions, and a very tight command and control is not what's going to get you there. You need to bring an organization in that's going to fight for the customers and the employees every day. Um, and so I, I think it was a hard decision to make because it's, it's your baby, um, but it's the right decision, and it's a decision that I hope most founders in this industry make at some point because um, I think it, it helps the company take the next step and build a team that, you know, again, puts the customer first. So as you've um, gone through that transition, what do you, what does your day-to-day -day look like now versus, you know, for so many years, I can imagine you're, you know, you were in the business grinding it out, doing every single job yeah. that you can possibly imagine, whether it's uh, be, you know stepping in and being a bud tender or you know going and working in the grow. I mean, you, you've worn, we've talked about it, you've worn literally every hat. Yeah. Now, what does your day in the life look like now? Well, on Mondays, I, <laughs> I grind up about a quarter of uh, weed and I, I roll my joints for the week. Perfect. And then, uh, seriously though, it's, it is interesting. I, I'm, I'm trying to help the company. Um, expand uh, into new markets, expand into our current markets, and you know, look for ways that uh, we can work and partner with government, both local, state, uh, and, and federally, to try and move our company and the industry along. I think you know, we've been formed as an industry with government as a partner, whether we like it or not, and whether they're a good partner or not. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Um, so what I've been trying to do is find where that intersection can be and how we can, um, you know, work with them to create a better industry because they're, you know, state by state and city by city and the entirety of it has uh, a lot of things to, to iterate on. And I think we've been trying to do that. I want to get into talking about just state of the industry and, and but I have one more personal question <clears throat> for you before I go there. If you could look at yourself in, in 2018 when you were getting ready to start you know, opening up your first dispensary, what piece of advice would you give yourself? There, there's a lot of, or would you give yourself? There's a lot of people out there that are, you know, opening their first dispensary, opening their first cultivation facility in a new market, getting going, uh, that, look, that look to you, rightfully so, yeah. as a leader. What would you tell yourself and what should those folks be telling themselves as they embark on, on this journey? Yeah, I often quote this interesting Simpsons episode where, you know, Homer's talking about the highs and the lows, and, you know, he talks about how the creamy middles are the best. <clears throat> so what I tell every business owner is you can't get too caught up in how good things are today because tomorrow they'll be terrible. You have to stay level, and you have to take the good with the bad, and you have to realize that you got to get up the next day, whether it was a great day or a terrible day, and, and do it all over again. So... You know, kind of the, the perseverance, the will um, to continue and keep going and don't let anything sort of, sort of stop you. Um, there's lots in this industry that try to stop you. There's always, you know, barriers of entry, barriers of moving forward. There's barriers thrown in our way um, more than any other industry that I've seen, and I've been a part of a few. And you have to just get up and shake it off and, and move on. I was listening to this podcast the other day, and I, you know, I, forget, I, I need to figure out who it was, because now I've quoted it a bunch of times, but he was like, people's heartbeats go up and down and up and down and up and down. And he was like, and when your heartbeat goes, you know, flat, you're dead. And he was like, so you want your heartbeat going, going up and down. He was like, and the important thing is, is that when you're on a downbeat, know that, you know, 
There's an upbeat coming. There's an upbeat coming. So hunker That's down. Right. But when you're on an upbeat, don't get too, you know, That's right. uh, you know, on your high horse because you can get too overconfident because there's a downbeat coming around around the corner. And I, you know, even in the last five years of cannabis, right, we've had some great ups. And right, you know, now arguably, well, not arguably, we are in. We have been in, in a little bit of a, of, a, of a challenging moment, but um, for me, and I'm really curious to get your take, I'm excited about the next upbeat, which I'm hoping is 2024. So, you know, right now, as I said, when we're opening this, we're sitting here in November 2023. We're waiting to hear from HHS. You know, what are your predictions for 2024 for the space at large? Um, you know, and yeah, I'd be curious to think about how you and the team at Ascend are thinking about how to capitalize on this, what, what could be you know, the, the biggest coming years we've ever seen in space. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's very notable. You look at the, company, the public companies that you can measure uh, most readily, and you're starting to see the good and the bad separate themselves. You're starting to see the companies that are focusing on quality, on the customer, and, you know, right-sizing, and it's still delivering the quality for the customer and for their employees, frankly. Um, so for me, it's watching that shake out you know, from the single state operators, the single dispensary operators, all the way up to the multi-states, um, in hope that people focus on their quality of delivering, you know, great product or a great service, um, and letting that guide them to wherever success is or for those companies. And you're starting to see that, and I think that's where we're going to see in 24 more well-defined. Hopefully, the government being our partner will help that along. The, the removal of 280E is the most important factor for most of these businesses, large, small, and everything in between. Um, safer would be great, but it doesn't add 10, 15, 20% to everyone's bottom line. So I'm hoping that that is the catalyst and government can actually help this industry. We need a break. We need um, government to, to help us. So that, that's what I hope I see. And especially with 280E going away, I mean, there's the cash flow that would come back into the businesses, gives people the opportunity to hire, expand, fuel their own growth, control their own destiny. Um, you know, it, in, in the last, I guess, like, call it two, you know, two-ish years that we've been in this capital constraint environment, what decisions do you think that you guys made really well that have allowed you, you know, I know you just talked about, we're seeing the separation between the good companies and the not good companies, you guys being one of the good companies, what do you think are the decisions that you made that have put you in this position to be a great company? Because again, we just talked about upbeat, downbeats. There's going to be another downbeat. What do people need to do when, when, when that um, happens? Because we've seen some companies, you know, just close down, full blown. I mean, we saw last week, um, Grass Door in California just had to unfortunately close down. It was a herbal closed down. I mean, we saw a lot, of a lot of businesses close down and I think it's easy to blame the market, blame other people. But at the end of the day, we're all in together and we are seeing some companies rise to the top. What decisions did you guys make that allowed you to rise to the top and, and you know, not be a business that failed? Yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, we walked away from the deal with MedMen in New York. Right, what it took- You heard it uh, here first. <laughs> what it took, 73 million off the balance sheet and the New York market has proven to be the absolute worst market in the country. It's very comparable to California, mm -hmm. depending on your um, your take on the California market, but obviously with the taxes and oh, it's impossible and, and the to various, yeah. exactly with the regulatory framework, I don't see how it's really uh, a, been a success. Uh, New York has been, um, I think, worse. Um, so not taking the cash off our balance sheet, not entering a market that clearly has not been fruitful for anyone, 
um, other than the black market dealers or the gray market dealers or, you know, folks yep. who can operate without a license. And um, that's, uh, that's been, I think, an experiment and a failure in the state of New York. So that, that for us, right, was very easily the, the best decision we decided not to make. And I think companies do need to realize that strategy is what you don't do. Um, so, you know, how you allocate capital and what you focus on really matters. And, and some of those good companies, some of the companies that are rising to the top are narrowing their focus. They're doing fewer things much better. And they're coming out, they're going to come out with, you know, to be a success. You know, the, it's, it's funny because the over-regulation in the state of New York, I think, has borderline killed, killed the program so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. Um, what states do you think have done it well? And if you were, you know, if you were giving advice to a politician, how would you tell them to roll out the program based on what you've seen? Because, you know, at the end of the day, New York, I think, had all the right intentions. But we're, we're sitting here now. There could be 70,000 full-time jobs and, what, there's 3,000? Um, there could be tons of businesses generating tens of millions, billions of dollars in tax revenue, and we're not seeing that. Instead, we're seeing thriving um, you know, bodegas where you can walk in and, and, and buy products. So I think the government itself overcomplicated it and it didn't work out. So if you're giving advice to a politician that's trying to open up a new new state, you know, how do you tell them uh, to go about doing it? We've had some successful launches, right, throughout the country. I think most recently were states that we operated in. New Jersey was a great example. Um, New Jersey had a, a too tight of a medical market, right, very limited license. Um, but if you're uh, want to be operator in New Jersey, you can secure real estate and go get a license. Um, so you've seen um, licenses being issued, stores starting to uh, open up, and you saw a pr- fairly successful rollout there. I think there are plenty of examples uh, from Michigan to uh, Illinois, although I think the social equity market in Illinois was, was certainly... Um, it took too long for them to get those licenses, right. and we're still seeing the capital constraints weigh on those licenses open. I wish we could have seen those licenses open up um, a lot quicker. Um, but when you look across the country, there are states that got it right. There are states that moved expeditiously um, and really cared about the industry being successful and set up a licensing uh, and regulatory framework that helped that. Again, the government can be a partner uh, by creating a system that can work or can it can hamper it like they have in New York. And we that's a great point around Mi- Michigan has just been, even in terms of states where jobs were created, mm-hmm. last year was the first year that we saw a decline in jobs year over year. So for 2% drop, uh, places like California and Colorado lost jobs. Mm-hmm. Places like Florida, um, Missouri and Michigan, New Jersey created jobs. And so we've seen in these states that have done it right, you know, We've actually been able to have cannabis get people to work, yeah. which is what you're seeing super in Michigan. Cool. Is you know the black market was thriving. It, it was a great market. A lot of people call it the California, the Midwest, Midwest, due to uh, the state's love of cannabis. But what you're seeing is acceptance into the regulated market. Right. There's a lot of stores. It's available and it's well priced. Well priced. Now you know a, a lot of uh, I'm sure maybe. My investors are focused on Michigan's a really tough state to operate in. The price of cannabis is too cheap. But if you're, again, growing quality cannabis, providing a good service to the customer, you, you can succeed there. And it's taught us as a company a lot of lessons of 
how to actually be successful. Um, it's unlimited license state. It's a state where if you want a license, you want to grow or sell, you can do it. Um, and you know, I love that about the state, and I think it, it really forced us to, to get good at certain things. Well, I know that we're coming up on time here, and you have other more important meetings to get to. So my, 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 final, question, my final question to you is, when you look forward to Ascend, you know, what are you most excited about for your company and where you're going as a business in 2024 and beyond? Great question. Uh, I am most excited about the jobs we're going to create over the next coming years, right? We have Ohio, which is going adult use. We have Pennsylvania, I think, soon to follow, other states. And you know, there are people who want to enter this industry. They want proud a chance to work to, in cannabis. They're proud to work in cannabis. I'm very proud to work in cannabis. I, I love it when I coach my kids soccer or something, and people ask me what I do, and I, I tell them, and I either get, oh, that's great, or I get the, the look of fear. And, you well, know, now you can bring this cup, and you I can bring your, your duffel bag. Yeah. Actually, I do have one more question. Why, why are you proud to work in cannabis? When you, when you tell your, when you tell your uh, mm -hmm. kids and their parents, friends, you know, why you're proud to work in cannabis, what do you say? Um, I think it's it, the power of the plant is really meaningful to me. Um, I'm not, you know, I like to consume alcohol. I, I like a lot of things, but there's nothing like cannabis um, to to make you know whatever it is ailing you better, right? Whether it's to relax, whether it's to treat pain, it it really is uh, something that I think that makes people's lives better in whatever way it does personally for them. And for me, it's always done that since. Uh, you know, 30 plus years ago. Um, but I'm very proud to say I work in cannabis. I'm proud that um, we get to create these jobs and bring folks into the industry. I think this industry is, you know, unlike anything that I've been a part of. And that's what I'm most excited about. We have lots of opportunities. We're going to open another uh, three stores this month and uh, another probably 10 next year. So we're, you know, we're, we're going to continue to grow and continue to, to bring folks into this industry. Well, cheers to being proud to work in cannabis. Cheers. Thank you for coming on to our podcast. It's great to have you here and can't wait to do another one. Really appreciate you having me and uh, really nice to be here. Thank you. Of course. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.